Welcome to episode 443 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, April 6th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, we are in to the regular season. Home openers have happened for a bunch of teams. We're probably going to get a bunch more tomorrow on Friday. Uh, I mean... <laughs> We're in the thick of it. I, I, actually, I shouldn't say that. I think once all the home, once all the pomp and circumstance is over, um, after the next round of home openers, which again are, are mostly on, on Friday, then I feel like we're in the thick of it. But we're, we're still going to get some of that opening day feel tomorrow when certain teams open up at their stadium. But we do have regular season baseball every night and it is glorious. How are you doing? Um, I'm overwhelmed, but I, I think in a good way. I mean, one of the things that early season baseball reminds you of is how there are no real narratives. You know, it's like, yeah. you're kind of just like, ah, what's happening? But that's it, life. That, you know? That's, that's <laughs> really no real overarching theory. That's of life, I don't such think. a great way to put it, by the way. Ah, what's happening? Cause that's kind of how I like, it's, it's a fire hose as, as I'm so excited to have it back. This is not a complaint, but it's yeah, a yeah. fire hose right now where every evening I'm trying to watch as much as I can of yeah. all these games. Whereas once the season like really does settle in, I usually pick a game and I stay focused on that. You know, I got my tigers, but then I'll watch, you know, a pitching matchup that I'm really interested in right now. I'm just trying to catch bits of everything. So even when people are like, well, how'd you think so-and-so pitch? And I'm like, I didn't watch the full thing. I'll go watch it. Let, you know, I'll let you know later right now. I'm just trying to get as much as I can. It's, you know, basically we're meth addicts and, and there's a pinata of meth that has finally been busted open. And so we're just grabbing as much of it as we can. Yeah. But there's also, and I don't want to make a whole sh- You can make a whole show about this, but there's um, kind of some, a bummer happening in the stats right now. Um, that's, it's exciting, but it's also kind of a bummer in that they switched over to TrackMan finally. And all so, the velocity readings are just totally off so you got to chill on them there's you don't really know what to do jeff Zimmerman wrote a piece on it you're probably hearing it on other uh, avenues as well different podcasts and other websites are talking about it that the telecasts were fr- were out in front on it on monday uh, i was hearing about it they're measuring it differently uh you seem to have some information on that can you explain it a little bit more clearly as to what uh how they measure differently to get the uh the changes in velocity because things look like they're up a mile per hour but when you when you're measuring it differently, it's really not. So what 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 can you uh, tell us about well, that? A, a simple way of saying it is, if you use Brooks, and you probably do if you listen to this, if you mm-hmm. lose, use Brooks baseball, we basically switched over to the Brooks baseball. Number. Oh, okay, okay. And in, and, in, and in previous times, you've said, oh, you got that from Brooks. Brooks. Be careful. Brooks it's a is little a, isn't a mile an hour hotter. Yeah. Yeah. So w- w- what Brooks does is it estimates where what the velocity would be at 50 feet from the. Um, from the uh, uh, from home plate, so basically it, it tries to estimate what the velocity would be right when the batter releases it. Mm-hmm. So we got have, what we have now with TrackMan is we know the velocity exactly when they release it because the tracking technology is better. So it is a it's better it's better to know what the velocity is out of the hand. The problem is they put that right that that new information into the old field and the old field for pitch pitch fx was at 55 feet okay so that was another estimate that was that was closer to the plate and therefore uh lower so it's going to generate these these false gains and it's inconsistently false it's inconsistent you can't you can say as a general thing hey if you just want to sort of generally know if a guy's up or down just look at it and kind of subtract 0.6 to a one tick 
And if a guy is up more than a tick or down more than a tick, uh, you know, up more than a tick or or doesn't have that tick, right? Mm-hmm. So if a guy is the same as he was last year, then he's actually down a tick. That you think that's a general rule. Yes. Just take a tick off of it if you want to compare it to last year. Um, it is a more correct thing, but they've just put that that same field in the old field. So, you know, in terms of data coming through and stuff, when you're looking at velocities, I was just looking at, at, at Adam Wainwright. It looks like Adam Wainwright's throwing 91.7, and he's never thrown that as a starter. Hey man, well, he, he found he found the fountain of uh, fountain of youth. <laughs> Except if you take a tick off, it's 90.7. He's been at 90.5 for a while now. So it's basically so, just Adam Wainwright as we know him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, I, I did I did say on the radio the other day that if he throws the curveball 40% of the time, I think there's a little bit of a potential for kind of like Rich Hill type situation. Mm-hmm. You know, he has a really good curveball. Why not just throw it half the time? It's it's so um, nasty, and he was up at 30%, you know, yeah, uh, in his first start. It, if you take cutters out of fastballs, he threw it almost like almost exactly as much as his four-seam and two-seam. So, um, you know, I, I think there's a possibility he's, he's, he's moving towards that. <clears throat> but we, we've strayed too far afield. What I just mean to say is it, it's worse than that. It's worse than just the velocity. There's movement changes, too. And, oh, okay. Uh, it's, not, it's not necessarily that there are movement changes in the way that movement is, um, is recorded. The, the difference is that there are now calibration issues. There are new calibration issues. So we had pitch FX for 10 years, so we figured out which parks were a little bit hot, which mm-hmm. parks at this and Casey was always and a little hot. Place, yeah, and Brooks and other places found a way to kind of clean that up. And if you look at if you ever look at Brooks's raw pitch FX data, they have a little tab for that and then compare it to what actually shows up on the pages, you've noticed that they do scrub it and they change things. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> so now that that was 10 years of that, we finally got it down. Now we're in year 3 of this, but it's kind of near 1. And like I was looking at Clayton Kershaw, and it looks like he added two inches of rise to his fastball. Well, I'm not even sure he has. Maybe it's just you know L.A. So I just, for my analysis, movement. Um, you know, people, we, we, you hear us talk about on the, on the podcast. You hear us talk about change up, change up relative to fastball movement and, and stuff like that. Uh, that's what I'm going to continue to try to do is just do it relative to within this to, year. to its own to to the guy's own um, other pitches. That yeah, makes this sense. Year. And I'm not going to do any breathless, like, oh, my God, this guy added three inches of rise and he's amazing stories until we have a better idea of what's happening. I think that's with, smart. You know, I think that's, so, I think that's really smart. Um, that's a big thing. That, that would layer of, like, what the fuck's going on? I mean, sorry. Beep. Beep. <laughs> Let's hope I remember to get that. Um, kids. Cover your ears. Uh, yeah, so that, that's obviously a big deal that, that we're, that we're looking at. Um, I want to ask you, the, the question of the day to, to lead off for you, it is in that same vein of it's April, it's fire hose, what do we do? How do you handle, uh, April in fantasy with regard to like roster moves, reactions to different starts? Um, you know, you're checking your standings. You don't want to go crazy. It sucks when you're in last, even though you know better than to freak out. But what, what, how do you navigate what I believe are actually pretty treacherous waters here? Cause you just don't want to make, uh, you don't want to make bad decisions and you also don't want to sit on something too long. So it's, it's you got to find that fine line. How do you try to do that? You know, mm, you know, I, I try to focus a little bit on. Not necessarily what happened in the box score, but who was in the box score. 
Okay. Uh, when it comes to batters, because it's too early to even look at exit velocity and launch angle. And, so. and perhaps where they were in the box yeah. score, right? Like if the yeah. you know home dude that we thought was going to bat eighth is now batting first three games in a row. That's a big deal. And by the way, Mike Podhorzer wrote about that. Um, so that's definitely something. We're going to talk mostly pitchers today, but that's definitely something to look at for hitters. You, you, yeah. But also, like, um, who's more strict platoon? Mm-hmm. So maybe you thought a guy might not be platoon, he would be platoon. There's teams have mostly faced lefties, I think, by now. Yeah, so, pr- pr- pretty much. Um, I mean, I, I that's just uh, anecdotal. I don't know for sure. There could be eight teams that yeah, haven't faced right. one yet. But, but it, if they have, if they face a lefty, you can go in and um, and check it out and and see um, <clears throat> and see who was playing that day and and how strict their platoons are and um, and what that means for your players. So that's uh, so on the pitching side. I think we get a lot more information uh, when it comes to. Um, you know, per start information. So pitching, you know, I'm looking at velocity. So, for example, right now, Andrew Triggs is pitching, and he hasn't thrown a changeup. And, um, I mean, it's the third, fourth inning. Maybe it's going to start coming out. But he also hasn't broken 90, and this is new 90. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that yeah, that's that's particularly concerning because he was already working kind of at the low end, and, and if he's not hitting 90 with, with the juice, um, not PDs, with the, with the juiced gun, uh, that that could be that could be a little bit tough. It's gonna be tough to succeed at that level. Um, but we'll keep an eye on him. It's it's early into into his first start of the season, and there are different but, things. Yeah, I mean, I think he's also a good example of um, another thing I like to keep in mind, which is I like to remember my preseason rankings and not stray too far. So especially if you draft late, right? We're talking like yeah. less than a week that you made these valuations in the draft room. Are you gonna make crazy decisions this Sunday? Uh, a week after you, you you drafted these guys, so right. So Triggs to me was a night like an eighty to ninety guy, right? Was a was a more of a deep leaguer, uh, maybe even a final pitcher in a fifteen team league, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, would I stress too much about dropping him for Skaggs because Skaggs looks okay today? No. I wouldn't stress about that. You have turn spots, right? Yeah, exactly. There are a few spots. Now, and then again, it comes back to that balance. Did you invest in Triggs thinking that he was a nice sleeper and you really want to give him a a chance? I understand. Or did you draft Triggs because you heard Eno and I talk about him and you said, I just kind of wanted to go with with their guy. I'm not that invested in him. And I am invested in, for example, like you said, Skaggs. Then you can make the move. It's your own balance you got to find, but you should have – about three spots that you're willing to churn already. But that's about it. You shouldn't be cutting even like a 15th rounder in really any format unless that guy is, you know, Junior Guerra or something who's going to be out six weeks, which we'll get to in a moment uh, with his calf strain. Like injuries, of course, is one thing. But just performance so far, you should not be cutting anybody whose draft round doesn't start with a two. And I don't even think that – I think that's a good, a good rubric even in a 10-team league. Like if Gary Sanchez is your starting catcher – and you love Sandy Leon, just chill. Just, just, just freaking chill. relax. Just, just MLB and chill. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, exactly. Like, you overdrafted Sanchez. Now you have to be patient, <laughs> right? Like you made yeah. the decision to completely overdraft him, and, and and he was overdrafted. Let's be honest, based on two amazing Thanks. months. Screw you. What? Screw you. I like no, you know, you 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 paid for him though. Auction's completely different. I'm not I'm not even just oh, right. making you feel better. Like auction's completely different. You have a lot more control over things. The opportunity cost isn't quite the same. 
But in a draft, when you're taking him in the third, fourth round, I think it is a much bigger opportunity cost. So that was my only point. But but you have to be patient, right? You, you can't you yeah. can't afford to go the complete opposite way of where you were in the draft. So you you got to be careful with your hitters, especially anybody, anybody who's in a starting spot in your lineup. You know, in the top ten, yep. is not is not drivable. And not you're not touching them right now. You're barely even looking at them uh, and and what they're doing. You know, zero for sixteen, whatever. I, it doesn't matter. I don't care. You have to you have to be uh, you have to be careful now. The pitching side is a lot different, and this is something that you've always focused on that I that I really like. You know, when you're sloughing something off and saying, "Oh, he's only got two starts," it sounds like, "Oh, he's barely pitched." But two starts could be fifty batters faced. Would you maybe make a move on a hitter based on fifty plate appearances? You know, if you were going to pick up a guy, yeah, you might. If he was doing well after fifty plate appearances, which nobody's hit yet, sixteen is the high, so you still got pretty much through the rest of the week and into early next week. And once you start seeing guys with fifty, you might be ready to make moves on them. Well, it's the same thing with just two starts, and and so I think you can start to make moves. And again, for me, it's it's adding, not subtracting, not dropping guys. I'm I'm still probably not making moves. Of cutting anybody based on two starts, especially those early rounders that we're talking about. You have to cut somebody to add somebody. Of course, and that's but that's why you got the churn <laughs> spots. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you right. you yeah, do yeah. have to. I'm just talking about like um, like those mid rounders again. Um, you know, I, I think Taiwan Walker ended up finishing all right, but that's again I'm trying to think of it in the middle. That's, two, a, that's a great name. That's exactly the name I just thought of. Was Ty Walker? Like he he got the strikeouts. He he limited the walks and he gave up a homer. He was who we thought he was. Yeah. It didn't seem like there's a breakout coming, but however, you know, you paid a certain amount for him. You want to at least see another start, you know, to see. And, and he's going to be one of the hardest to evaluate. You know, it's not. He's you're looking at home runs. It's like it's like buying Michael Pineda. There, there's a there's mm-hmm. actually a, it, it just occurred to me just talking about this right now. There's a cost. There's I do like we talked about this before. I do like buying certain types of um, of pitchers and hitters for my last slots. Because it's like that thing where if only they do this one thing, they'll be better, right? Yes. But the if only thing that you need, you need that to be a small sample thing. Exactly. That's say, a great call. You can't say, I'm going to buy Michael Pineda and I'll cut him if he doesn't give up more homers. Well, the problem is that home run rate takes the longest to know. So your if only could take half a season when you're finally like, okay, he's giving up homers like he ever did. I'm going to drop him. You know, and then you – he screwed you for a half season. Could it right? have been any more of a Michael Pinata start though? He goes three and two thirds, nine eighty two ERA, two eighteen whip, thirty three percent strikeout rate, sixteen percent swinging strike rate, two and a half homers per nine. Like everything that is Pinata perfectly. Tons of strikeouts, no walks, great swinging strike rate, gets his face caved in when he wasn't missing bats. Right. God, he's maddening. You know, as a as a guy that's set up in the opposition, uh, Charlie Morton, you buy him, and your if only is a velocity, mm-hmm. right? Is he going to keep this nice new velocity that we heard of? And b maybe how many splitters is he going to throw because he he has a bad platoon split, right? That sort of thing you can know in like a start or two, very, very quickly. And his first start, ninety four mile an hour. I don't even know how to report velocity anymore this is i'm broken well but, you know new 94 you know, new 94 like, to go yeah. with with you know against last year's 94 so if you if 94.7 to 94.3 yeah. yeah yeah so it's so about even i think he kept his velocity basically yeah 
percent swing strike rate uh, compared yeah. to last year's twelve percent, and it was only seventeen innings. But so we're still working with small samples, but it matches kind of what we saw in that in that brief Philly debut before the torn groin. And in like four, five, six splitters, it's a good amount of splitters, and um, and I think that if only is you have another start and you wait to see another piece of velocity reading and see how many changeups and see if the lefties, you know, how many lefties he struck out basically. Uh, and you have your yes or no on the guy, right? Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> so you don't I, have to wait as long. So. I love your call about getting guys on those churn spots that you can actually churn quickly and not something that you have to wait on forever. That that makes a lot of sense um, because, yeah, you, you, you can't be married to everybody on your team. You can't say, oh, you know, he's my sleeper, he's my sleeper, he's my sleeper. You, you are going to have to 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 cut somebody and we're, we're going to talk about him in a moment so i'm not going to dive in but like those in 10 team mixed leagues there's gonna be some dylan bundy's on the waiver wire well you can't be in love with everybody on your roster if you want to pick them up you're gonna to have to make a decision to cut somebody to try to get dylan bundy so um it should just be those last three or four spots that are the churn spots and and you can make some decisions maybe you make some decisions with these guys let's transition into some uh into some news some injury news and we'll start with a really uh, a bummer of one. And I, we don't know how deep it goes just yet, but it was just a bummer to hear that he had to leave his start early. Charlie, or excuse me, not Charlie Morton. We just talked about him. Uh, Garrett Richards has a bicep cramp that, that takes him out of his start early. You know, health is the major thing. Like that, that's another tough one when you buy in and like, well, the, the if on a guy is health. Well, that can go yeah. in a second, right? Yeah. And, and, and you just don't know. And, and for him to have health be the issue, and for it to come up in his very first start has to put fear into those yeah. who invested. Uh, how are you reacting to this if you've, if you've got Garrett Richards shares? You know, I remember when we possibly overreacted, but we, we, when we reacted to the Masahiro Tanaka, similar news. Mm-hmm. And, um, we, uh, we didn't buy him for the most part. A lot of people, he, that was the year he dropped really far. I actually had him in labor that year. Um, because he was like a $15 ace, and I, was, I said, yeah, why not? Um, but the difference there was that Tanaka was largely healthy through spring, you know? Exactly. There, were, there weren't a lot of, you know, hiccups and, and, and you know, oh, no's and, you know, early, early late leaving starts. So that was, you know, that is, that is disconcerting, but at the same time, it didn't end up being, I don't think you can drop him. I mean, maybe in a 10-teamer, but even there... You know, he was right before he, you know, grabbed that biceps. He was still hitting 96, 97, 98. So four, four, four and two thirds scoreless as well. Yeah. So I think you hold on and and hope it isn't a big deal. You know, they tried to make a big deal out of it. They said he was smiling, and you know, they they've said that they don't think it's that big a deal in in public. But you know, when was the last time that a team was like, oh yeah, oh my god, screwed. We're terrified. <laughs> this sucks, y'all. That's just the press conference. He comes out. This blows. We're effed. Uh, I'm not taking any questions today. Thank you. You're right. Bye. So, yeah. No, you're right. They're always trying to put the positive spin on it, say everything's all right. But, um, you know, okay, that that that's good. And, again, it started with exits with possible arm injury, and we're always we're freaking out. And then we get biceps cramp. Now, biceps can be worrisome, but biceps cramp, does that have you a, 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 as concerned? I think that's less than almost anything else. Okay. Cramping to me sounds like hot. That's um, an April thing, right? Fitness, like... Yeah. Fitness. It's like a fitness thing. It's a hydration thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not, 
if it is actually cramping, I don't, I, I haven't heard that turn into like, that's not like, um, you know, TJ precursor, like who, who somebody's got the flexor mass problem. That's that Matt's. Yes. You know, Matt's is more that's worrisome. terrifying. Right. Hey, the remember when forearm stuff, you know, that's a bigger deal. Remember when stupid idiots were asking if we should worry about Nolan Arenado because of his WBC. Yeah. You guys are dumb people. You're dumb human beings. He just hit a home run, and he's been beasting to start the season. Oh, you're, yeah. You're dumb if you thought that, okay? You're a dumb person. Go look in the mirror and say, I'm a dummy because I watched a few key plate appearances of Nolan Arenado, and he, he struck out. That was the most regular slump I'd ever seen a guy have, like the most basic timing was a little bit off, pressing sort of slump. Yeah. Early and spring against pitchers that were ramping it up to 94. That's the thing too, against tough, early. like guys ready to, to go at him. You know, in the cactus yeah. league, he's going to get a few lollipops in there and he wasn't getting any of it. I could not have been less concerned with that. And yet I heard people legitimately freaking out like, Oh, do I take him in the first round still? Dar, dar, dar. Why don't you just burn your money? You're bad. Okay. <laughs> anyway, rant over. Uh, next bit of news. I mentioned this earlier. Junior Guerra. Strained calf, six weeks, because the NL still thinks it's cool to let pitchers bat. And you know what? Spare me your Madison. Listen, that's fine. I like that Madison Bumgarner can hit yaks. I think it was cool that Michael Lorenzen came in for a pinch hit. Uh, did not pitch. It was strictly a pinch hit and went yard today. That's very cool. Don't get me wrong. But the large majority of, of hitting pitchers are absolutely terrible and Charlie Morton, who we just talked about, got hurt batting last year. And now Junior Guerra. I think it was actually in Milwaukee that Charlie Morton got hurt. And now Junior Guerra gets hurt in Milwaukee as well. I mean. For what it's worth, even Bumgarner is like 20% worse than league average. So. That, that's the thing too. Like he's a very good hitting pitcher, but that doesn't say a whole lot. It'd still be you know, like your, your backup middle infielder. Exactly. And so, you know. I just, I'm so over it because pitchers are just the, the investment that teams make in them these days. And I know Junior Guerra is not some, you know, super multi-million dollar investment, but he was a key piece to them getting to the finish line this year. They're not trying, they're not going for, for anything this year in Milwaukee, but you still got to fill the, the 1400 some innings. And he was going to be a nice piece for that. And I thought he was a really good fantasy piece after last year. Um, didn't cost you anything. He was pitching very well, too. So it's just, it's just a bummer all around. This is a guy you're cutting, though, in your, in your 10 and 12 team mixers, right? Yeah, I mean. Assuming you don't have a, uh, a yeah, DL spot. You don't have a slot because, you know, you might as well keep him around as long as possible. Um you know, I'd keep him over Lugo if you had to put Lugo in your, your DL slot. There's probably some other DL guys that I would drop before Guerra, but at the same time, I don't think you know I had I had Guerra so highly that you have to you know deal with him on your on your regular roster. And let me try this one on. Start falling behind. Well, yeah. Let me see what you think about this one. A guy that you would have drafted knowing that he was going to be hurt, but we're talking 10 and 12 team mix. This guy's not over the top. Martin Prado. Let's say you got the one DL spot. Who are you keeping between Prado and Guerra? Guerra. I think so too. And I like what Prado can do with, with batting average, but that's really all it is. And if you're in 10 and 12 team, third base is so freaking deep. I think it's deep in 15 team. So when you start shaving teams off, it's easy peasy to get a good third base and corner. 
Um, I think I would keep Guerra in that instance. And you already mentioned that you would with, uh, with Lugo. Obviously with Mats, we're keeping Mats. Um, Rodon, have him higher. I had Guerra 73rd, so he's, he's almost in that turn spot. He actually was the last guy before, um, in a tier before I thought Churn and Burn, which to me, Churn and Burn was Adam Conley. Yeah. Um, you know, Ian Kennedy. I had Hisashi Wakuma in there. Uh, I had Brandon Finnegan in there, but... Um, Ooh, we're going to talk about him. Don't spoil yeah, that, because that... Let's don't spoil oof, that one. Oof. Um, uh, okay. Tyler Anderson was in that churn and burn spot. So so we're hanging on to Guerra where we can, but if you've got Ian Desmond and um, trying to think of somebody else like really good who was injured and you got two injured spots and and, and you got Guerra as well, you, you got to move on like it. You can cut him if you don't have the DL spot, but if you have the DL spot, you might as well because uh, we still kind of like him a little bit. It's going to be six weeks with a non-arm injury. Uh, you talked about Seth Lugo having the UCL tear. Uh, obviously, a deeper league play. Looked like he was going to get a chance to fill in for Mats. You think this is WBC related? Is it hard to say otherwise? <clears throat> well, you know, I think back. None of this is really scientific, but I do think that there is – Usually about a half to a full mile. Listen, Seth Lugo, I love you, dude, but I got to break in on a Ryan Healy two run shot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Anyway, continue. Yeah, now it's four to one. And look at that. It's in Oakland to center left. I love him. He's a power alley guy. I love him. He crushed it. He crushed it. Anyway, you were saying about Lugo. I completely interrupted. It's not scientific, but. Uh, it's not scientific, but uh, this part is scientific. So there is like a half hour to mile an hour ga- uh, velocity increase that's baked into uh, at least April, uh, March to sort of May, June, July, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and if you include August, or July and August when when velocities peak, there's about a, a mile and a half. So I saw Lugo hitting 94, right, in in the spring. Even if that's 93, that would be peak velocity for him. So he was throwing peak velocity in March. The other thing that we know is that the one of the things that is stressful, uh, maybe the most stressful thing, right, like injury-wise, is the most recent research says is fastballs. The, the harder you throw, the more stressful it is. Absolutely. Right? For years, so, we thought it was more about the breaking stuff, but it's just throwing hard. Uh, whether it's above your own velocity or 95 plus, like 95 plus is always danger. But if you're throwing three, four miles per hour over what you normally do, you're putting right, yourself yeah, in danger. A finding from Harry Pavlidis that said that pitchers that that conserve that sit at a lower velocity than their max, that sort of keep that 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 are saving bullets basically, that those people have better health outcomes. So, um. Basically, what we saw, what we see, are guys going into a mid-March start and throwing as hard as they can. And I just don't, I don't think. And, I, and then I wanted to pair it with the story, which is I was talking to uh, Sean Doolittle last year, and he'd just thrown 92, 93, and I was like, "Aren't you worried? Or like, how do you feel about that?" And he said, "Oh, I feel great." And I said, "Well, you know, why aren't you worried that it's down a tick or two? And he said, "Because it's spring, man." You know, it, it has nothing nothing of the juice that I normally have. It's spring. I come out here. I hit Josh Reddick on the ass while I'm walking out to the mound. I wave to a couple people in the stands, you know. 
Um, you know, I'm I'm like looking at uh, at butterflies. You know, it's not a big deal. <laughs> and he said, when I when I run out in Oakland, there's you know there may not be a ton of fans. He didn't say that. But the ones that are there going crazy out in right field you know, and the bigger park and it's go time. Feel more, yeah. So um, I think the WC was so great because in the mid of March we got like a real tournament where people were playing real baseball and that was really fun. Mm-hmm. Like I really enjoyed. That. I think everybody really enjoyed that. I think that. Um, it's just a. I think there's a crisis there of timing. So uh, you put Lugo, who should be throwing 89-90 in this point of the year, you put him into a tournament, and now he's throwing 93-94. Um, I think that's a bad, bad way to 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 to, to, do, to do it. I think you should maybe have something, um, maybe like a round robin tournament that gets that gets your final six or something. You could do that in March. The, the early games that weren't as high stress, and know? then and then finish it later. Finish it in the All Star game. Um, I could you know, dig that. Place the jock jam. You know. You know whatever that stupid thing is. <laughs> the, the softball game. The softball game. The yeah, get, rid of, get rid of that. Get rid of something. And and um, and you could do a couple games before and after there's a little bit of after i know that it, it starts to encroach on a break for them so sure it's not great but it, you know if you do it every two four years then it, it's a special thing it, and make it special where years, you, can, you can you can make a longer all-star that's break. exactly what i was going to say if, it, if it's every four years then we know okay it's going to be a two-week all-star break and and, right. and there's going to be some of the wcbc games on the front and back ends it'll bookend the all-star game or something that those pitchers are warm and you know it's the middle of the season and they're used to throwing like that you know exactly so, no, it, it's a weird thing and i think this in just in general the whole pitching thing you, you know if you lend your soccer players to the to the world cup or whatever you know, yeah, they could hurt a hamstring or whatever, but it's not like they have limited amount of bullets in their hamstrings. You know? Yeah, like, you know, I, don't I mean, think that, that they're they'd be playing the same, worse. mostly yeah. the same way. But the like you're talking with the bullets going out there, going full blast the way Lugo was, it looks like it's come back to, to bite I him. I don't think there's any GM that really loves the WBC if you ask like if you ask them honestly. So I think that'll. It may kill it. I don't know. We'll have to see. If they maybe they make a lot of concessions and they sort of take the GMs and say, "Hey, we need you guys to be on board with this. We want good pitchers in this. So can you can you talk to us? We don't want this to be like the AFL where there's one good pitcher. Exactly. You know, it, that's such a hitters' be, league. We want this to be a real fun thing, and we want everyone to be involved. And, and I think the people who were there said it was great. I mean, if you ask Hosmer, if you ask Adam Jones, they said it's amazing. Yeah, Yelich said it was the best thing he'd ever done. So. You know, we want to keep it around. I just think that there's a pitching component that might need to be figured out. What about late in the season for it? What about after the season like the AFL? Yeah. But then guys are worn down. So I kind of like the all-star game thing where or the all-star period that we're talking about where we're just making an extended all-star period. If you have it down to four teams, you really only have to play like two or three days, you know. That, that's the thing. It wouldn't ha- you don't have to, I'm not saying play the whole thing then. Right, yeah. Get, get a lot of it done early, get to the finale, uh, or get to, you know, semifinals and then, and then go. But, and honestly, uh, since they took the juice out of the, I mean, I didn't love the net this time it counts crap. Yeah. But, and now the All-Star game is a lot more like the, um, like the NBA or NFL where it just doesn't really matter. And, that's true. Uh, they aren't going to necessarily play uh, play that as hard. Still, so still easier to play almost, half speed almost, baseball though. 
Yeah, that's true. But I could almost replace the All Star Game with. I, oh, I'd be fine with that. I, I, mean? I don't. I don't need the All Star Game. I'll, I'll always put it on. You know, every summer it'll be on in the background, playing MLB the Show or, or or doing something else, hanging out. I'll put it on, but I don't need it at all. And so yeah. I, I'll gladly uh, trade it out if, if that's what you want uh, for WBC every couple. Of, I would I would like it more frequently, but if they're going to keep getting injuries like this, we're certainly not going to get it more frequently, and we could frankly lose it entirely. All right, we got one more injury. It's a small one. It's supposed to be a, a, a minimum stay for Roberto Osuna. Cervical spasm sounds really bad, but apparently it's something that he has played with. He even pitched with it a little bit in spring training, toward the end of spring training. That's why he didn't get a, a super backdated uh, uh, DL stint. But they went ahead, put him on the 10-day. Jason Grilly, uh in the interim. <laughs> A lot of people went crazy with their bids before we knew what was what. Uh, and it could still be something down the line, but all the news that we have right now says that this is minimum stay for Roberto Osuna. Does this change your outlook for him at all rest of season? Like, I'm human, so a little bit, but I'm trying to work against that and just think of him as good because it's not an arm injury. It's not even a back injury. Yes, yeah, and. It's kind of like a slept wrong feel, you know, like That's I, I've, I've what had I days gather. where I woke up and, and, you know, it kind of lingered a little bit, but I, you know, I had that little twinge in my neck where it just wasn't, you know, and like two or three days later it's gone. I just mm-hmm. don't, I don't think that that makes me that like I would not play basketball that week or anything, you know, so it's like, I feel like, um, uh, you know, not a big deal. I don't think. I, I wonder if they even put them on if it's the 15 day deal. It, it seemed yeah, like a thing point. where it was almost like, hey, it's 10 days. It's early. Let's go ahead and sit you down. We, you know, we would love to have you right off the bat, but you did pitch WBC. Just take a chill. We'll put Grilly in. No big deal. Um, I could see that. So if you got Grilly in your league, you're hoping to steal a few saves, but this is not going to be your answer to saves. Just keep that in mind. Um, all right, you know, we're going to talk starts. Good starts, bad starts. We're going to check in on some non-aces here. So we're not talking about, you know, the good start that, that Madison Bumgarner had or, um, I'm trying to think of an ace who actually, or, you know, the bad start that Corey Kluber had or, or just a little bit of the struggle that he had. We're focused on the guys that are, I would say basically like 25 and beyond because I did slide one guy in here who is a little bit acey. He's, he's pretty acey. He's been an ace before, but I really want to discuss him on the bad end. But the rest of the guys are, are mid-tier. They're pretty much um, everybody else's 30 and beyond, and we've got some deep ones as well. So we're going to start with the good starts, and I just want to get your thoughts on it, you know, um, swing strike rates, stuff that you might have noticed. Uh, and we'll start with the aforementioned Dylan Bundy. He was out there beasting, throwing his slider cutter. We can't we can't agree on what it is. I, I, the report was he brought his cutter back, but then he wants to call it a slider. I don't care what you call it. It looked damn good, and he beasted out for seven uh, seven strong innings. I believe he gave up one run, uh, 32% strikeout rate, 17% swinging strike rate. That's eight strikeouts, by the way. Um, four hits allowed, no walks. Dylan Bundy against Toronto. What would you think? You know, I was really impressed by, I, I would call it sliders, 86. Um, and it's got uh, it's got downward movement. It looked like a slider. I was really impress- impressed by that pitch. He put it where he wanted to. People weren't used to it. There's some component of them having not seen it. Uh, but at the same time, it had good movement. And um, I was also really impressed by his location. I think he did a really good job putting the ball where he wanted it to, 93, 94, in and out. And um, I didn't see him, you know, flexing his arm or uh, looking too pained. And um, 
it looked like a free and easy, you know, easy, you know, day at the ballpark. So I, I think that this cutter, you know, he even threw some curves in there and he even got a, he even got a, a whiff on a curve. So I, I saw everything I needed to see. The, the only thing that, that's, that's missing for him is, you know, how many innings he's got this year. But I put him down for 150, you know, number, at least number two and if, Maybe not even, maybe number one. So I, he should not be unowned in any league. He needs to be picked up right away, I think. So speaking of that, he is just 30% on 30% of rosters at ESPN. And, you know, they, they play more, it, it's catered to 10 team mixers. So it is a little bit shallower, but you're saying he needs to be owned in all of those leagues. Um, right? Is, am I hearing you correctly? Yeah, I mean, who 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 That's, we should be? We, should we were going to. Yeah, we were going to transition into that. I was just making sure I was hearing you correctly. So, <laughs> um, what about? Hmm, let's see here. Well, what about the aforementioned Taiwan Walker? Uh, I want Bunny. Well, you're stupid, and I hate you. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm I, I'm I'm a big Taiwan Walker fan, but that one. That one's pretty close. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. Right. Um, I'm gonna find. I'm doing owners presented on Yahoo. Okay. That that yeah. Then then can you get can you give me some names because I was trying to pull them up uh, ownership percentage on ESPN, but I'm not in any ESPN leagues this year. Oh. So that's, that's it, it's, it's more difficult to find. Yeah. No. No one. I only joined one new league, and it didn't. It wasn't using ESPN. So nothing against ESPN. I just. I'm just not using it. I'm sorry. Wow. Jeez. Jeez, he needs to be own, own more. He's at 38. percent Yeah, so 38 on Yahoo. on Yahoo, 30 on ESPN. Bundy's out there, y'all. If you're playing in mixers, and I know a lot of folks, I'm going to go up from him. Hyunjin Roo drop. Tyson Ross drop. Giselleman drop. Stephen Wright drop. Blake Snell drop. Trevor Bauer drop. Lance Lynn drop. Drew Smiley drop. I'm with you so far on everyone, and, and the one you hesitated on, I'm with you. I would have hesitated a little bit, but I'm still with you. Drop. Yep. Okay, now we're at fifty-five percent. Michael Waka. I'm sticking with Waka, but that's I'm I'm looking I'm looking for a way to get both still on my team. Yeah, exactly. Maybe start doing some two for ones as 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 much as possible. Tyler Glass. Now I dropped drop. Alex Cobb. Is he on our list? No, he's not on our list. And I'm, okay, then I can say drop. Oh, you would selling. Sell, 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 sell. Do tell. Before we keep Rob going, was not back on the splitter. Oh, okay. So I didn't watch that start. That was a, yeah, the, that was box score scouting by your boy over here. The splitter has a seven or eight mile an hour gap from his fastball, which is okay. But in the past, it had four inches more drop. He has not gotten the drop back post surgery. And that was know. that was the case last year too that you had mentioned yeah. in the preseason, and now you still haven't seen it in in uh, spring and and so far through one start. So that is alarming. Okay, okay, I can dig it. Gio Gonzalez drop, Ivan Nova drop, Francisco Liriano drop, Hishasi Lacoma ah. drop, Drew Pomeran. I'm not agreeing on all of those, by the way. Where are you, Liriano? You might hold. Yeah, I just I don't know. I get like, listen, it's hard because I really like Bundy, and so I, I know it's fence sitting and and it doesn't play the yeah. game to say I want to get both on my team. So you know, push come to shove, I think I'm going to still keep Liriano, but like Nova is somebody I do love, but I would take Bundy because the upside is just so much richer. Whereas Nova, I'm I'm even as even as a big Nova guy, I'm seeing him as 180 innings of like a 370 ERA with a good whip, not something yeah. that's going to like change your season strikeout wise or anything Bundy like could, that. I think Bundy could do that. So I'm agreed. 
Bundy I'm, can change I'm your still season. Going. I'm still going. Drew Pomerantz dropped. Yep. Although, Drew Pomerantz on the DL now, so it might be well, a just, good situation you, as DL him. And, yeah, you and can just DL him. Well, that'd Irvin be great, San- too. If you could DL somebody to pick up Bundy, you don't even have to cut anybody, that'd, that'd be great. Yeah, Urban Santana dropped. Sonny Gray dropped. Yep. Joe Ross dropped. Yep. Jarrell Cotton dropped. We'll yep. get to him. Carlos Rodon. DL him. DL him, hopefully. I don't, I don't drop drop. Uh, Robbie Ray. Drop. Drop. Urias. Oh, but see, the thing is, it's so hard to keep a guy with no innings. If you're in a shallow league. That, that, uh, the, you took the, listen, if you took him in that league, I think you gotta show the patience to keep him because you knew this was gonna happen. This was not a yeah. surprise. We knew he was gonna be managed. And Urias does have, even, he has less of a health thing. They're probably both 115 inning guys in the end. And on a per inning basis, he can match Bundy. He can match, and then Bundy has the risk of not even getting to 150. Whereas I think Urias is pretty much gonna get to 150. He's I mean, been he's, very healthy. Yeah, and it's not, it's too, it's too early, it seems like, to, to be a big deal. Exactly. Uh, Taiwan Walker drop, Matt Shoemaker, we're at 75% Shoemaker. Uh, I might drop. I might drop too because we're talking about the upside because we're in shallow leagues right now, right? I'm not right. talking you 15 teamers. Yeah. We're, we're talking 10 and 12 team where you're looking for star power. And that's yeah. why I cut Nova and Shoemaker to me is a little bit of an AL Nova where I think the ERA could be. What's that? I think he's always going to give up homers. Yeah. I think he'll have a good strikeout rate, but I think he's going to give up homers because he's kind of 50 50 fastball splitter. Mm-hmm. So I think you can kind of sit on one or the other. And when you when you hang it's it's it gets Tanaka e when he hangs the splitter it can go, it yeah. it can get it can get murked. So I I think I would cut shoe there and that's more a prop up of Bundy than a than a than a uh, put down on shoe on shoemaker. But I just think Bundy. It is one start, but remember, this was like such an uber prospect. We had to wait for him to get healthy. He can change your league in 150 innings. And he, he has like everything that we look for. Added pitch, added velocity, uh, and pedigree. I mean, that's, and it's, struggle, it's, right? It's, it's every like, bit. Like the perfect story. So, yep. uh, John Gray, I'm, it's getting really hard now. Garrett Richards, it's super hard. Uh, Jared, Gerard Eikhoff, this is where, Bundy should be living. Bundy yes. should be eighty percent owned. He should be right, right in that realm. Um, he needs he needs to be the biggest pickup of the week right now for you for you uh, shallow leaguers. Um, get on him now. Now let's talk about budget. What kind of budget are you putting on percentage wise to get him Good to one. get Dylan like Bundy? Twenty five percent, thirty three percent. Like I, I want him. I'm closer to thirty three, especially yeah. if you wait. If you don't have like a Kershaw Syndergaard, you were you were kind of like me, and you were going four or five rounds before getting your first pitcher, planning to piece pitching together. This is the, this is what you were thinking of piecing it together yeah. by finding somebody like Bundy. So you have to be aggressive, and uh, so yeah, I'm starting at thirty three percent and kind of going from there personally. Hmm. All right, let's move on to the next one. Completely opposite end of the spectrum. Um, you know, this is young guy on the rise, hopefully ready to beast out. Veteran, getting his groove back a little bit. Felix Hernandez had an interesting start uh, in his debut in Houston. Now, he did leave it early with a, with a little bit of a groin tweak, but everything's supposed to be scheduled uh, for him to go ahead and go on Saturday as well. He did go five innings, um, was getting strikeouts, was getting the swings and misses, had six strikeouts, had a 14% swinging strike rate. What did you see out of Felix, and are you encouraged? Uh, yeah, I mean, the the velocity thing last year was just so bad. I just, I kind of, 
said he was done in my head. Well, velocity's and, up, but it could be fake up because yeah, it's up it's almost really exactly up. a mile per hour. Yeah, I don't think the velocity is necessarily up. I don't know. Um, I don't know what I would point to uh, to say. Yeah, this is super different. He's changed. There was just... more breaking ball usage. He used the fastball a lot less in that start, and he was focused on the slider. Um, and I mean, added... that's what we're gonna see out of him. I mean, that's he's gonna pitch backwards more now. Isn't that in... it, to me? That's a little bit encouraging, though, to get away from the. Like, I always said that he needs to get away from the fastball. Maybe go to a cutter as his primary pitch anyway. Um, I'm I'm a, yeah. I'm a little bit intrigued by it. I don't know if it's actionable, but I just wanted to see where you were at with him with Felix. Yeah, I don't know. He 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 used a lot more four seamers. Um, you know, a little bit more four seamers than than he had in the past. So, um, you know, he, maybe he sees that the change uh, in the sinker lineup too much. Um, I don't know. I would say that I would pick him up over some of those later ones, but I don't think he needs to be owned on the 80% level. Okay. So you're, you you don't even have Felix on uh, 80% ownership in, in mixed leagues right now. Okay. No, I mean, uh, where was I? We were talking about... Um, what, what percentage you know, was Lance Lynn I take Felix. I take Felix over... Um, the 30s, and let's see about the 40s. Where, where, who would I not drop for Felix? I would not drop... I don't know if I'd drop Drew Pamarantz for Felix. Uh, what about Waka? Where was he? Yeah, I don't know. He's at 55%. I don't know if I'd drop Waka. I wouldn't, and I personally. I like Tyler Glass now, who's 57%. Now, the thing with Felix is either. I don't think he's on waiver wires, though, so I don't know that we need to go through the same exercise yeah, you're right, yeah. because people are still drafting that name. This is what I would do. Honestly, if I could just speak just from, and this is not necessarily like it's really data driven, I'd be selling him. You just you just don't have a great feeling. Yeah, I just it's uh, old pitcher stuff. I think he might be able to get his way to th- that sort of three seven five one two five kind of year with a good changeup. I mean that's a that's an elite pitch. Absolutely. But I think that his name value still holds so much compared to what that value is. Three seven five one two five right now is like an average fantasy pitcher. And if you pair it with the fact that somebody might have seen his start here, now I think this is one where you got to finesse it a little bit. You can't go out offering one to ones because people are going to be like, "Why are you trying to sell them after what looks like a good start?" It has yeah. to be a situation where it's almost a two for one, where you know you got a flat, you know, look over here at this hitter I'm giving you. I'm going to include Felix, and I want your. Jake Arietta. What? Yeah, or your better hitter, your better pitcher. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or you find someone that doesn't have good depth, um, or just lost Garrett Richards, like not Garrett Richards, but just lost a pitcher that they were expecting to have. Or, and... or try to get Kluber, you know, on the heels yeah. of a bad one, you know, um, again. Yeah, Felix plus Cobb might be able to get you Kluber. If or the, if Felix in a bat. Pitcher, you know? Again, find somebody yeah. who's, who's struggling a little bit. If you've got, if they lost somebody, um, to injury that you can, that you can fill in for them. You say, I, let me get Kluber here. I'm trying to consolidate. I, I can, you know, Felix's name still carries weight is, is, is the main point here, but we're not going crazy over this first start. What about teammate James Paxton? Obviously one of the biggest, uh, movers and shakers of the, of the draft season. I uh, love, love, love the guy myself. Was eager to see him. I had to watch it on, um, 
replay because I can't freaking get Houston games live. It's so nauseating. This whole series, I wanted to watch every pitching matchup, and I can't until <laughs> an hour and a half after the game because Root Sports, whatever the hell that is, um, is not very widely available here in Austin. But uh, Paxton uh, looks look solid, six, six scoreless, five strikeouts, did have three wild pitches, which is kind of interesting. Only one walk, two hits allowed, uh, 18% swinging strike rate. What, what what do we think about Paxton after after one game? All systems go. I mean, it looks like we we identified a good pitcher for this year as a as a as a as a as a, as a podcast and also as a as a fantasy community. I mean, he, everybody was in on him as a sleeper, and it got to the point where you actually had to pay better than sleeper prices. No but, doubt. But but he, he looks more like the sleeper than the bust. Would you say? Hey, yeah. That's the name Hello. of our podcast, y'all. Is. <laughs> That's why I said that. Guys, did you get that? Joke explainer. Joke assassin. Uh, we got uh, – what we do have here is uh, a, a guy who looks like he kept his velocity, but he's actually down. So Yes. Uh, but I don't – you know, I, as a lefty, I don't know that we need to stress too hard. He could give back a being, tick. Being down to 96. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. On the left on the left side – hell, even on the right side, you can give back a tick when you're working 97. But especially on the left, you can give back a tick. I'm not worried. Like you said, all systems go. I was thoroughly encouraged. Uh, great start. So just just wanted to check in on him, uh, uh, James Paxton. Hopefully you got in. I know the hype train was, was real, and some of you like to be fantasy hipsters and go the other way when everybody's in on somebody. And that's not always bad, by the way. I'm not even – I am taking a little bit of a shot, but I understand that as a theory too, though, like saying, listen, I can't get in on everybody going crazy for this guy because the price is overhyped. I'm just going to back away. But uh, maybe you didn't want to pay the price, but I didn't think there was anything that suggested that Paxton wasn't going wasn't good. I thought I thought a lot of what we saw last year suggested that he did have the skills. If you were going against him, I think health would have been your real um, selling point there. All right, let's move on to another young lefty who really impressed, and he's done this before. Like Brandon Finnegan's good starts are really good. I think he took like a seven inning no hit bid against the Cubs last year that, that turned a lot of heads. Um, he had, I think he had a couple others that went into the fifth or sixth. Like he can have no hit stuff on a given night. That's not even really shocking. He goes seven strong, um, uh, against the Phillies, one hit, no runs, nine strikeouts, no, one walk, which is good. Walks are an issue for him. Missing the bats the way he should. I thought his 20% strikeout rate last year was just, not commensurate with his stuff, but he only had a 10% swinging strike rate too. So, you know, he, I, my main point is that he wasn't getting enough swinging strikes for what his stuff delivers. 14% in that first outing. Where are you on Finnegan? I know we didn't talk about him too much coming into the season, but looks like an uptick in real, in velocity for real though, cause it's, it's up two plus miles per hour. So even if you give the subtraction, we're good there. Um, mm-hmm. big change up usage, uh, from 13 to 18%. And again, one start, but we're just analyzing these one starts as they come. Brandon Finnegan, uh, we're going to end up playing a, a would you rather, but but how did you feel about that first start? Oh, I felt really great. It, you know, the nicest thing about it was not necessarily that this was so different. I think the nicest thing about it was that it's exactly what we saw late last year. Mm-hmm. And late last year, the the changeup lost some velocity, and um, he started using it more and just started uh, just started trusting it. And so, you know, in August and September, he got up to 15, 20% on the change, and uh, he's at, he was at 18% in the last game. So 
that's that's right there with with how often they used it. Uh, in terms of velocity, the velocity on the changeup came down over the course of last year from 86 to 83. Uh, you know, and yesterday was at 84. Or so, so you know, not maybe in mid-season form necessarily, but um, you know, this was the this was the changeup that we saw late last year, and uh, and I like it. Finnegan's only 25 percent at Yahoo right now. So, um, first off, what kind of percentage do you think he well, should be at? And then we can start to talk about some names. One thing that I, one thing that I think we should do maybe is talk about the next person. Uh, first, well, there's a bad there's a bad name that I want to talk about that I feel that's fine. We can we can actually be we could do that and then we'll circle back because our last good guy is is totally like super deep league. I'll just say it. It's, it's well, I want I just want to see if you, if you got any love for what Clayton Richard did to the Dodgers. Probably not, but I figure we'll give him some love because that might be the only time that he's worth talking about. So, uh we can we can circle back yeah, to him. Yeah. Who do you want to pull no, up from the bad is, list? When we do let's go to the bad. Let's let's do a would you rather later with uh Brandon Finnegan in mind because I think some of the bad guys might be droppers for Brandon Finnegan. Okay. Uh, so let's talk about them later. So Clayton Richard, I think, is really interesting. He dropped his arm slot, and uh, it has led to a lot more sync. So he has a he has a good uh, fastball now. The problem is that you know dropping down like that has affected his changeup. His changeup now looks exactly like his sinker. He's a little bit more of you know you know like the drop down guys. They, what they have is a bigger platoon splits. Right, mm-hmm. and uh, what they do get when you when you drop down like that, you get more fade and you get more sink because the 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 kind of stuff you're putting on the ball, the the, the English that you're putting on the ball leads to leads to that. It leads to you know that like watching Andrew Triggs pitch, right? You get you get that same feeling where he's dropped down, so you get every pitch looks like it's like bending, right? Um, but the problem is that they look very similar. <laughs> Right. Yeah, absolutely. So the changeup, the changeup's no different, you know, than his sinker. It's the same thing. And Triggs has even had that problem. And we talked about it in the in the clubhouse the other day. And so, you know, I don't think that um, uh, he has a changeup. So he's a fast, he's a sinker curve guy. So he's a two pitch guy. And I think some guys are going to blow him up. I think some teams are going to blow him up. So was it a, a, a big case in your in your uh, estimation that it's just the Dodgers still sucking against lefties? That allowed Clayton Richard to take advantage of them for eight innings, because it's not uh, like there was a ton to go with it. It was, it was, uh, let's see, five strikeouts, two walks, five hits. Um, it was a thirteen percent swing strike rate, so that's 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 good. Um, but was it was it more of hey? Well, he's also like completely changed. So I think a lot of these guys may have seen him before, and they thought, you know, oh, this is this is who he was. You know, he's, uh, you know, let me see in terms of usage what he used to do. Uh, because he used to actually use the changeup to try and get through the lineup, right? So they think fastball, curve, changeup. And, uh, you know, they, they have in their mind an idea of the sinker, you know, being a certain way. And um, now the sinker has added, what is it? Has added uh, in terms of sink. The sinker has added, uh, you know. Well, that's weird. What happened? Why was Sullivan making such a big deal out of this? Way to go, Sullivan. When did he pitch last? Clayton Richard. Yeah. He was like opening day, wasn't he? Yeah. 
who's opening day um, against the Dodgers in in L.A. On Brooks, it's not it's not particularly uh, impressive the the change. Okay. In terms of, because J- Sullivan had a great a big a great piece that I read about about how he changes arm slot and the sinker has great sink and has great fade, but you know as opposed as opposed to like last year, uh, Richards uh, sinker had more sink. Oh wait, last year he had more sink. Yeah. So maybe well. I didn't. I, I this is three thirty four seventeen. But even that. Um, let me do the pitch FX tool. When did Clayton Richard pitch? Can you find me out that? I will find that out for you. I think it was four three. But let me get you an exact, exact lot live. We're live digging in the stats, y'all. No, but I'm no, just, I'm fine with it. Four four. I'm four four. Unmoored. I am unmoored. Is that what I've been saying? I just. What are you a hockey uh, net? I just don't have. Yeah, right. Someone put me off the. The, the moorings there. That's where um, I learned that word, by the way. That's why I referenced that. I never knew that yeah. word. Uh, I learned it as a kid based on that. I was like, what the hell is moorings? Uh, the sinker. Yeah. Oh, wow. So did he add sink from yeah, spring I it, to? Uh, I think it might be, I might think it might be a calibration issue. Did they play, they played in LA, right? Yes. Yes, I think it might be calibration because I looked at Clayton Kershaw and it said he had 14 inches of rise and he he averaged 11 last year, um, so that would be news, right? Sure. And here this is saying that Clayton Richard had uh, 16 inches of horizontal break, um, and one one inch the had a one inch value for vertical break, and um, that would be pretty impressive. Six, 16 inches of that doesn't. People don't do that. You're so, you're so frustrated by it. I am so. <laughs> what the hell's going on with these numbers? Because 16 inches. Okay, so his sinker used to have 11 inches of, of fade, which is good. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Uh, and then even this in in April in March of this month. So how would he have in March of this month? Spring. Have 11 inches of yeah yeah spring this this year, in this this spring have 11 inches of fade and then go to go to uh, LA and have 16 inches. That's five more inches. That's, he he just, ramped it up, dude. Be... He was saving those extra five. <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought Clayton Richards, and let me just look at his arm slot because we have this April number. Yeah, Clayton Richards dropped his arm slot a while back. So Like last, last year? year? Yeah. yeah. Oh. And he dropped it maybe a little bit more, but it, it was, he was over the top in like, in 2010, 2011. And then it started dropping in 2012, and then he dropped it again in 16. So, I don't know. I, I don't think he's too different. I think he's still got two pitches, and he's going to be decent, you know, for DFS and certain starts and stuff. But. NL only? Would you would you take a look or? Yeah. Yeah. Take a look. Okay. Maybe NL Absolutely. only. Just a, I think that was actually a, a decent insight into the stress that is my life. Oh no, I, I actually liked it. I hope people enjoy. It. I know it's something that is a little bit different than we're kind of like looking at stuff, figuring it out on, on the pod. But like that was exactly what you started the pod with, saying that it's you're frustrated trying to figure these things out. Whereas usually, you know, rewind to a pod last year, y'all, and whenever I bring up a player, Eno can cite you know the the movement, the swinging strike, like all your data was ready and you trusted it. Now you're just a little bit nervous about it. So again, that's something we got to keep in mind while we calibrate this month. Uh, it is going to be, it is going to be kind of a deal. So with Richard, NL only, you lost Lugo, you DL Lugo, you pick up Richard. 
something like that. Sure. Right. Starting for now, um, I think he can be at least league average, give you sort of a four-ish ERA. Um, even even uh, his start yesterday didn't have a lot of Ks, so you can't you can't depend on a 250 Babbitt. So you know, um, look for teams I, that, I think that are susceptible can, to lefties. When you're yeah, exactly, and I think sometimes when you're when you're stuck in situations like this, you can um, fall back on old things like strikeouts minus walks. Yep, I, I agree. I agree. All right, look. strikeout minus walk rate wasn't great. Let's move over to some of the bad guys, and again, we're gonna we're gonna compare them with Brandon Finnegan because there are some interesting names. This is the one I mentioned that was a little. He's he's still pretty acy. Uh, Garrett Cole is, but it wasn't a great first start, and I really just kind of wanted to get your thoughts. Uh, it was in Boston. You give him a little bit of a reprieve for that going into Boston's no, no simple feat. But Jamison Tyon was a beast out there. He went toe to toe with Chris Sale and did not buckle. Uh, that game was, was, I think, 0-0 going into the, into extras. That was a hell of a game out there. So. Yeah, mad at me on my chat because I said his changeup was still bad, but I mean, his changeup wasn't that good. It was all sinker and, and, uh, and curve. So. Now, here's a question I have before we get into Cole. Tyon's one of those things where, the the look and feel of it, based on what we get f- from you and from the numbers, is that the changeup isn't good. But then the stats are there. So like, when do you, you know, divorce the two? Because I think I think if you look at the pitch FX, and that might be something that people are going against you on, is that they look in the pitch FX uh, sheet here on his player profile from last year, and I want to say that his changeup had like really good numbers. I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, 2016, yeah. It was 100. It was only 163 thrown, which I think is probably instrumental. Not to get too crazy over it, but uh, a 400 OPS, uh, no walk, yeah, but we, but a 14 percent strikeout rate. We don't, I don't look at those. Look at the eight percent swing strike rate. Yeah, yeah. No, that's the I, average is 14 percent. And so, do you think? Do you think it's people too much looking at at the, at the results as opposed to the actual shape and and ability of the yeah. pitch? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm even trying to get away from looking at whiffs and and grounders because, um, you know, those can get iffy. I, I'm trying to look mostly at the shape because okay. there's some research that backs it up that that's, you know, these things are good. And the change up, even on our tab, if we don't have to look at Brooks, uh, look at the change up versus the sinker. The change up has less movement uh, in the X quadrant than the, than the change up, so it has less fade than a change up. And it has the same amount of drop, the sinker and the changeup. Where am I looking at so that? So it's uh, batted ball movement, batted ball and movement on the pitch FX tab. So you got standard, advanced, batted ball and movement. Standard, so you got the changeup, X, you got X movement, oh. Z movement. Oh, oh, there it is, there it is. Oh, yeah. oh my God! I can save myself so, an extra trip. God, I don't even know my yeah, own website. All, I'm a it's loser. It's all in one place. No, they all made fun of me for doing that. So if you. Um, Oh, that's interesting, though. In 2016, it says that he had... Uh, this is Tyon we're still no, talking about, by the way. 2016 is even worse, actually. Look, in 2016, his changeup had less fade. You want that number to be bigger than the sinker and the four seam, right? Mm-hmm. So you see how it's mi- minus 2.6? Yes. You want that to be minus 7, 8, 9, right? You want it to at least be bigger than the four seam because you might be able to port pair it with the four seam, but it had less fade than the four seam. So now he changed grips, and you can actually see that it looks more like his his two seamer now. So it changed grips from the four seam change up grip to the two seam change up grip. It's better so but it's not good still. It just looks exactly like a sinker. So then you go, okay, if it looks exactly like a sinker and there's a ten mile an hour gap, that's great. Now let's go to the velocity. And the velocity the says gap is eighty six point nine. Uh no that's minimum. 
uh, average 88 uh, for the the changeup, 94.8 for the the sinker. So that's below average. Okay. Average is eight miles an hour. Okay. Lessons so with below Eno. Average, below average velocity gap and uh, almost no separation in terms of movement. So I just think that you know if you timed up that sinker and the changeup came, you should be able to just you know slow it a little bit and, or, and at least make contact with it you're i was gonna say better yet if you're a click off on the sinker and he gives you the change you're crushing it right right exactly and you might be a click off on the sinker because he's 94 a yeah, it's nasty it's a nasty <laughs> sinker i mean he's like aaron sanchez of the nl with that disgusting sinker and oh, that's uh, a good that's a really good that's a good one so aaron sanchez last year his his strikeout rate halved it went from 20 percent to nine percent a third time through the order. So I suspect that Tyon will have an issue like that. So yeah, those two guys keep an eye. But let's talk teammate Garrett Cole. Not so good with, with the results. Um, I think he was cruising and then, and then fell apart a little bit. I did not, I kind of had side eye on that game. So in love with his fastball, man. And we've been yelling at him to throw his other stuff more often. For, and it just forever. Ridiculous. Forever, dude. Like you've got such good stuff. Your boy, Tyon, your teammate would kill for one of those secondaries if you could just give him one of those. Um, and you've got here, you're out here with three different secondaries that can be plus that are at least average, the slider change up and curve. Um, and, and he just doesn't throw them. He's two thirds fastball and like it's a good fastball too, but I don't know. He's so frustrating. Garrett Cole, how are you feeling right now after one uh, pretty bad start in, in Boston? I mean, the, I guess there's an opportunity to buy at a certain price. Yeah, I was going to say, we're not cutting him. I'm not, I'm not asking, are you cutting him? We're not playing either or. But, yeah. but you know, coming off of last year where he dealt with injuries and he wasn't, he wasn't great, 388 ERA, 144 whip. Like, are we evolving on, like, moving him down to where he's like, okay, he's, he's top – 35 but he's not top 25 or one start five innings you can't you, you stick with him as your top whatever i don't know where you had him i had him top 25 he did actually throw 19 off-speed pitches or 19 non-fastballs which is more than i thought he didn't get a single whiff on any of them wow um and let me see he here. used to change up a lot more based on on our pitch type yeah, like more than ever. Really weird, but but at the expense of the breakers. Maybe that's a matchup, sort of lefty. Maybe he's trying to get lefties out, but um, they've got they've got quite a few. Let's see here. The slider movement last year. Oh, there was also his, his slider wasn't dropping. Now, would the cold weather have anything to do with that, or is that just could, you know could what? It grip can it? a little bit. It can. It's not usually the coldness that people said is the dryness. So if okay. it was dry, uh, maybe he wasn't gripping the slider right. Uh, that was one thing that Chris Bassett said, and now there's even a rumor that Arizona may go to a humidor. I saw that because of the grip, the gripping of the balls. So if that's the case, that's <laughs> gripping what, of the balls, you gotta you gotta make sure you can grip those balls. So you know, Chris Bassett said, "I hate pitching in Arizona, not necessarily cold. I hate pitching in Arizona because it's dry. So if it was a dry day, I'm willing to give him. You know, on some of these things, with Tyon, there's a history." Right, so yes. there's a history. We can combine it with last year. And we can say, okay, the changeup wasn't good last year. The changeup doesn't look good this year. Together, the changeup doesn't look good. But with him, he's had a good slider in the past. With Cole, and with Cole, yeah, he's had a good slider in the past. And the movement numbers are way out of the line. Like he got uh, four inches more drop last year on the slider. Four and a half inches more drop. Five, five and a half inches more drop on the slider last year. So he's missing six inches of drop. That's why he's not going to throw the slider. 
So whatever whatever reason it was, um, that might just be one game. Okay. So I, I feel a little bit more comfortable uh, for a lot of reasons, which you've been hearing a lot of them. But uh, for a lot of reasons, I would say that uh, you know I'd, I'd feel more comfortable with another game. With Maybe that. there's your Felix opportunity. Felix plus a little piece for Garrett Cole. Yeah. Yeah, you know? I think I would do it just that- because... Yeah, I would do it. Okay, okay. Let's talk about these other guys then. Um, these are the ones that are probably going to want to compare with Finnegan. Let's start with Pinata. Uh, Michael Pinata already talked about him a little bit. Again, the most Michael Pinata start possible where you get the strikeouts, there's no walks. But again, anytime he wasn't getting a swinging strike, was pretty much getting clubbed, usually for a home run. I think he gave up 43 home runs. It was a career high. No, I'm just kidding. I think it was actually only... Two. No, it was only one, but it's a home run rate can be really high when you only pitch three and two thirds innings. So it was only one, but it was eight hits, four runs, six strikeouts, no walks. You got clobbered in, in uh, Tampa Bay. Michael Pinata. Velocity down. These are the kind of starts that you, that you expect. No changeups. No changeups. Like, like literally like one. One or two changeups. Yeah. yeah. And that's been a big issue know. for him. Is it? it he's, he's a two pitch guy so hard. And you know, and I, maybe we should look at the, at the game log here to see how many lefties Tampa was running out because they are a team that will platoon and you know that they're going to see something like that on Pinata and be like, well, we got to run every lefty out there. Um, does it change your outlook though? We already had, you know, we already were kind of warning people of like, this is what it can be. We know the strikeout and walk ratios. How are you reacting? Four. Mm. I got five. I, only, I got five lefties, by the way. Five lefties. You've, you've kind of, you've kind of uh, changed me on this one a little bit. And I have. I don't really have many shares. I have one share in a twelve-team dynasty where I just felt like if I was selling him, I'd just be, um, I'd just be hurt. Like I'd just be selling so low that it wouldn't be worth it. So I got him in tau, uh, uh in the K nine league, the head-to-head K nine, and I got uh, my K nine. I mean, he was yeah. 14.7. Yeah. Um, I just thought he was cheap at nine bucks. I said fine because I knew I wasn't going to spend after and Archer. It's actually hard to find a starting. It's hard to put a starting pitching staff together in K9. Exactly because he's still going to get innings. They're not going to go away from him. So I figure I can absorb it. Um, you know, maybe if I go Archer, Pinata, and one other starter, and then go six relievers to kind of smother yeah. his ERA and WHIP. As much as I can, um, I can survive it. But that's really the only share I got, and it was a calculated. Uh, I knew what I was getting into, but it was calculated because of the K nine. And I just, the dude can't command, and he only has two pitches. He's got control, yeah, I mean, not he, command. And when he, if he falls behind an account, he may not lead to a walk, but it leads to a situation where he feels he has to come back into the zone. Yep. And I think he's. Oh, let me. I can look at this. I think he's predictable. Very. Yeah, and I think if you're predictable, you have to be 98, 99 these days. Because they know, like, like, just like you just, down. you just said, they know that they're not going to get walked. So if you get ahead, and he, he does, he's pretty good at getting ahead. First pitch strike rate 67% last year, and in that first start as well for Michael Pinata. But, okay, so you get ahead, or you go behind 1-0, or 0-1, excuse me, you work your way back in, and you're now, uh, you're now 2-1, well, you know, he's not, he's not gonna, he's not gonna work it to 3-1. He's not gonna want to. So he's probably gonna come in the zone. Okay, if he does work it to 3-1, then you know for sure that he's coming fastball in the zone. 75% of the time, he's fastball with the batter ahead. Boom. 
And like you said, 95, it's not good enough. As a hitter, you're just like, you know. Give me that cheese. It's not even 95 anymore. It's 93, you know. So, I don't know. I I think I'm out. It's just, it's weird that he gets so many strikeouts and that he tests theories that we've long held. But Isn't it crazy? But you know... This name got thrown around. This was not. A, this is not a sport original. I I, I learned this. I, or I heard somebody say this last year because it was a good name to invoke. Uh, who always used and not even at the same levels, but but maybe more comparable to to his era. Um, Ricky Nolasco would always have good strikeout yes. to walk ratios, and we kept saying, "Oh, it's coming! It's coming! How can he have a five six or five point oh six ERA with a four four strikeout?" And again, this is two thousand nine when a four four was like really sexy. Um, how can this possibly be? Look at his 335 FIP. Then the next year he throws a 451 ERA with a 386 FIP. Okay, it it got better. It's coming because he has a 386 FIP and a 45 strikeout to walk ratio. Next year, 467, 354. And for his you know, career in Alaska, 453 ERA, 386 FIP. Kaboom. Yeah, FIP's a, a good. He had a four years. He had a five years where he's 335, 380, 350, 380, 330. Like. All those years with the Marlins. I remember always going to the trough. Fit can be a useful guide, but it's not the end-all, be-all, and there's going to be exceptions. And you'd better believe that Michael Pinata is an exception. And, you know, same sort of issue with with Nolasco. He had three pitches, but it was slider and curve. He still didn't have the change-up. He would have a split finger. He was a little bit issue. I think he was a bad fastball guy. Okay. A little bit different, but you know what? I think actually, in a, in a certain way, Michael Pineda could be considered a bad fastball guy. Like, I agree. I just think, you know, I think that um, that well, let's let's do what I said I don't do, um, and look at his pitch FX tab and look at results on the fastball. Um, I bet you it has great whiffs and a big OPS. I I bet I agree with you. Well, I... and let's do career so that we're that we're kind of let's see here, the WRC plus on his fastball. Seven hundred and twelve. Wow. No, uh, for his four seams, a one thirty-nine. So they're thirty-nine percent better than league average on his fastball. Yeah, that's eight thirty-two OPS. That's and the whiffs? Uh, well, let's look at the whiffs here. Swing strike rate on the fastball, eight point two percent, slightly better than average. Uh, average, I think, is six to seven. So okay. Yeah, and so he's uh, got and the, he gets the whiffs and he gets spanked. Yep, and it's it, that's, that predictability. Force him. Is he throwing? Yeah, he is throwing for us in. Okay. I thought it was like cutters. I mean, there is a little bit of an issue there because I think he throws a a cut. He can cut his fastball, and he he, he'll two like he he can manipulate the fastball, but it's not always just a straight four seamer. But you can cluster them together, and I think you're still getting the same situation. He's going to get some swing throughs, but he's also going to get clobbered on it. Michael Pinata just. There's just a predictability and command issue. He can't throw quality strikes, especially when he's behind Brandon Finnegan or or, or Michael Pineda. Ooh, ooh. See, I hadn't even gone that far up in my head. Oh, you no were thinking name. about the next no. three guys. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not dropping, I, uh, I don't own him, so. <laughs> yeah, you, you're theoretical here, cause I mean, we don't have him. There's no way that Pennington's available in that league, is he? In That's what league? Kind of the league where you have. Yeah, where I have Pinana? one, one share. <laughs> he quickly runs. Pennington might actually be fun. available in, in, in tout, to be honest. But I'm, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep Pinata for now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see. That's a K9 league. That's, that's an asterisk. Yep. Uh, I think I would keep Pinata. I think so. Uh, the changeup for Finnegan is good, but it doesn't actually have standout movement. So, 
Uh, I think it's a little bit more about finding a third pitch that he believes in and, and throwing it with conviction than it is about, you know, finding an awesome ass pitch. You okay. Know, his, his best pitches are still with fastball and slider. So, uh, and and he also went up against who was it in the first start? Phillies. Yes. So not maybe not the best offense. Not yeah, not a complete rollover like they're the worst in the league, but they're bottom ten, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, John Gray. Was okay. Cruising. So I looked this up. John Gay was cruising, but and I thought it was going to be selection, and that he'd be too fastball too fastball heavy. Okay, because actually it was the he, fifth he, inning. By the way, he gave up five runs. Right. So the first two innings was like ninety percent fastball, but you know what? That's a traditional that makes kind yeah. of approach. That 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 so is that's as stock as it gets. Yeah, that's that's how people do establish the fastball, establish it in zone, get them thinking about ninety five, ninety four, and then start uh, breaking out the other stuff when they're thinking about the fastball. That's that's pitching one on one. So uh, he and he didn't he didn't do a fastball heavy in the third and fourth inning. So he was the second time he saw the guys, the curve came out, the changeup came out, the changeup got whiffs. So everything was going really well. One thing I did notice though, he didn't elevate. Ah. He did not elevate. Everything was down low, and I think and I hey, just Justin. looked at that last inning, and the last inning was just everything was low. And yeah, he hit a guy. There's a little bit of luck where like. He hit a guy and they strung all of their singles together in one inning. So yeah, so it spirals out of control as opposed right. to complete meltdown. But I like what you're getting at that like the strategy wasn't really there to be successful either. Yeah, I think he needs to elevate. I think he has the ability to. I think maybe it's a little bit scary to talk about elevating when you're in Colorado. Maybe sure. maybe your pitching coach is all about that sink and low in the low in zone for good reason. But I think John Gray, especially if he's going to throw that curveball more. Um, you know, pair a high fastball with a curveball and to do some of that tunneling. Maybe he's got to have two strategies too, a home and away yeah. strategy. Right. And then, um, I think it's just good to have to, to mix it up. We know, for example, on in and out, we know that the, that the pirates found that if you throw a pitch to, uh, if you throw to, if you throw a pitch on the inside part of the plate and then a, the second pitch on the outside part of the plate, that, uh, the second pitch becomes more effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second pitch becomes more effective by having been paired with one that was inside, right? Yes. It's that whole, that's again pitching one on one. You get them rocking, you know? You get them thinking about inside, then you go outside, right? And then they're so, frozen. I just think that he was doing inside outside okay, but he just wasn't doing any up and down. It was all low. So they didn't have to think up so they could, they could lean over the plate a little bit and do more golf and kind of, you know, use their back to kind of, you can use your back to create a swing path where you're yes. just like, you're kind of golfing, so. So, with and this is John Gray that we're talking about. The the big problem here, the really tough part about this, is you can't have any five run starts on the road if you're going to have the kind of season that those of us in the John Gray camp are, are hoping for him to have, which is which is something in the mid threes, because you know that luck alone is going to slap you with a couple five spots in course, right? You're probably not going to get away scot-free with half your starts and coolers not ever giving up five or more. You just can't have that two-inning, nine-earned run sort of nightmare. But 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 to start with a four and five on the road, that's tough. And I know it's only one start of hopefully 32-33, but it was it was really disappointing. And also, as, also one in a park that, you know... Play, doesn't play exactly like Colorado, but, you know, it doesn't it's a, play awesomely. For it's, a, it's a tough it's park, kinda, too, and that's a good you know, lineup. You know, I, I think uh, I'm not panicking, and I'm not dropping him for Finnegan. Okay. Right. Would you go out and buy? 
if I you will. are if you are making that trade and you say, and someone's saying you know putting out the email John Gray's like they're so mad you'll get some of these guys and gals in your league too that are like this person's available I hate them I shouldn't have drafted them I'm so mad about my investment um, and and John Gray will be one of those guys and you'll go ahead and say hey I'm interested you you're, you're in it yeah okay. I, I am too. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm bummed, but I'm not out. I'm not, I'm not completely out. Let's talk about, uh, it wasn't his direct opponent in this game, but it, it is a, the team that he's facing. Milwaukee, Zach Davies, complete opposite end of the spectrum in terms of stuff. Um, I think you said that he's guaranteed 1000% to be the next Kyle Hendricks and you would stake your life on it. Um, and that's why I invested in him. So I need, what a, a 270 ERA or whatever, and if he doesn't get it, I guess I get your life, which is pretty cool. <laughs> but uh, so far, so bad. Tough start. Uh, really, really tough debut there. Four and a third, nine hits, six earned, uh, four walks, one strikeout against Colorado. And yeah, not in Colorado, but uh, Milwaukee is just—it's no cakewalk. What do you think of Zach Davies after after one outing? Well, let's put apart. Let's just put aside one thing. If he's going to be Kyle Hendricks, it's still Kyle Hendricks in front of the Brewers defense That's in the Brewers park. Great point. Holy shit, their defense. My God. It's Through cool. a few games is so bad, Jonathan VR. What are you doing, bud? You just yeah. can't wait to get back up to bat that you're just not really focused. Oh my goodness. 474 Babbitt on 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 that game for uh for Davies. So So bad. So, I think even so let's say <laughs> We don't even know what Kyle Hendricks' true talent is. That's that's true. That's true. But let's let's say he's a soft contact guy with great command and give him a three thirty ERA. I think that feels about right. Three twenty, three thirty. Yeah, that's like a number two, like a good number two, right? And his K's are underrated, um, by the way. One, one thing on my my Hendricks, you know, when I'm I'm kind of on the on the negative side of him, I have acknowledged that like he gets pretty good K's. Like don't you can't call him like a no K guy. He's he's above average. Yeah, but I think I think Kyle, uh, I think Davies can get to that sort of seven eight K nine level. So he was at seven know. four last year. That that yeah. that can work if you're doing everything else. I'll take right. that for 190 innings. He put 163 up last year. I think he's going to add to his innings not- this year. He's just not going to have a 240. So if, if if they are both the same guy and, a, and that's a 330 guy, then that 330 in front of the Cubs defense goes down to two whatever. Yep. Uh, and the 330 in front of the Brewers defense goes up to three six three seven. You know. <laughs> yes. So uh, while I I I I think the fans are aggressive at three six seven one two two, but I think Steamer is aggressive in the wrong way at four three five ERA one three six WHIP. So, you know. I still I think he can be that three seven five guy and be uh, and be decent and I don't think that one start has uh, changed everything I think about him. The one thing I do worry is that he didn't throw his cutter and curveball enough. But if you only go four and one innings, you four point one innings, you don't get a chance. You didn't get to those. You didn't get those innings where you normally throw those. Exactly. You didn't, you, so, you didn't really get a chance. So um, Finnegan versus Davis. Yes, I would though. Oh. I would though just because I. I I think if we're talking about that 375 guy, that's pretty fungible. And if I had a choice between the two, I, that would be pretty easy. Okay. I'm with you there. But, but, but overall, some of the deeper leagues, you're not necessarily running away from Davies in your 15 team mixers and of course your NL onlys, right? Yeah. Yeah. NL only not. 15 team mixer, we might find, it might, we might be talking about some names. Like that Finnegan might be available, you know? Yeah. That's true. That's true. Uh, let's, let's finish with, with the Fangraphs boyfriend of the world, uh, Jarrell Cotton. T- tough first go. Um, 
I su- surprisingly didn't get any hate tweets. I kind of expected, oh, th- thanks for nothing, Fangraph. Thanks for mm-hmm. nothing. You ruined my season. That's how people I got talk. Some, but I think they might have been jokes. Oh, okay, good, good. Um, <laughs> similar to Cotton, where it went four and a third, um, eight hits, five runs, two walks, four strikeouts. You know, again, not not great, but uh, I don't know that I'm necessarily freaking out. The pitch mix was was in line with last year. You actually leaned on the curveball a bit more. Velocity was the same, so maybe down down a little bit. Then, if we're, if we're doing the adjustment, um, what do you think of Gerald Cotton after one start? Yeah, so it wasn't a great start, but one thing that somebody uncovered that was really fun was the, here's the exit velocity of each of the RBI hits that were hit off of Cotton last night. Oh, yeah, I retweeted this from, from your account. This was great. Simmons, 65 miles an hour. Espinosa, 65 miles an hour. Trout, 76 miles an hour. Pujols, 80 miles an hour. Those are all dinks. The, 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 those are nothing. That's garbage. He had a 500 bad... This is where you can use, and obviously it's one start, but this is where you can look at Babbitt and say he was unlucky. When you pair it with that exit velocity, it's pretty clear that he was not getting railed around the yard. And and so, and then then, yes, and then watching it, that you see these dinks and dunks, you think okay. So that I think that's a good uh, a good level baseline sort of. uh, You know, this is what I think of the game. I think he kind of got dinked and dumped. Okay. The getting more granular. Um, you know, Simmons took a curveball that was uh, that was kind of a foot out off the plate and dinked it into the right field. Well, um, the curveball's not great. You know, he, was, so he did try maybe, to he did try to lean on it more yesterday, though. That was interesting. I know. Maybe he threw it too much. Maybe he'd been working on it all spring. Maybe he thought he got it to a good place. The thing is, he nobody swung at it last year, and I think that means that he can still spot it coming. Okay. So, you know, I, I think, uh, I think maybe, um, the curveball, maybe he should step off the curveball a little bit. There is a, there is a possibility that cutter change sliders enough, right? Uh, that's three pitches. There, you know, cutter, uh, cutter change fastball is enough. It's three pitches. They do different things. They go in different directions. They, they're more useful for different people, right? And go 30% on that change. He, he was at 28 last year and just 20 in this first start. Lean on that change, please. I don't think anybody can hit that change, even if they know it's coming 75. Like, I think it's really hard to sit on it. Um, you know, I think it pairs really well with the four seam. It's a straight change, so it's not necessarily going to have big platoon splits, you know. It's, uh, it doesn't have a lot of fade. It's like, it's like a little bit, a little bit Estrada-like where it kind of just looks like, it looks like the fastball until it drops, you know, seven inches and and is 17 miles an hour slower. So, so yeah, filthy. He, he still got a ton of whiffs on that. He didn't really get a lot of whiffs on anything else. In fact, all of his whiffs were on the four seam and change. So I think he he could simplify a little bit and just rock back and forth on the four seam change and throw in the cutter. Uh, I think he fell in love with the curve because he spent all spring working on it and it probably looked good in the in the spring, and uh, and he and he wanted to show everybody what he got. I, I still saw 20% whiffs on the changeup. That's really good. I saw 10, 8 to 10% whiffs on the fastball. That's good. I saw dinks and dunks and, and a short outing. So I, I don't I don't think it was so bad. I still – so going into the season, I had Cotton 66 and Finnegan 88. So this is the hardest would you rather of the day for me. Because you're, you're going to move Finnegan up. Are you going to inch will, Cotton I'll down move, at all? I'll move Cotton down a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I doubt that I'm, but 66 is like your last pitcher in a 12-teamer. Sure. So now uh, it's like where where do they meet and, and, right. and do you go with Finnegan? Right. And I think 
you know, I would put I'd put Finnegan in the 70s, and I might put Cotton in the 70s, and that it wouldn't be the the biggest jumps either way for either of them. Yeah, you can go and, 71, 79, and then that's still preference. Like that eight spots is nothing in today's pitching environment. After you get about uh, past like pitcher 30. They become these large clusters. We talked about this in the off season. So even if you're, like I said, seventy and seventy-one and seventy-nine, that's a pretty wide gap. Uh, it within the seventies, but it's not a wide gap in terms of overall talent. Yeah, and, and we got Finnegan at twenty-six percent, um, and um, and Cotton at sixty-seven percent. I think we influenced that as a, as a maybe. website. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely, I, I maybe I'm overrating us, but I absolutely. In my heart of hearts, believe that we as a website, and particularly us as a podcast for fantasy, uh, influenced Jarrell Cotton being being sixty seven percent owned. Yeah, but um, uh, that, that's the hardest. Would you rather for me? I don't think I have a, a, a good answer. Someone in the in the chat today asked, and I said, if you feel like doing that, you can do that. I mean, that's we're talking about. My rankings have them probably five to eight apart right now. They both are fine final guys in a 10-team or 12-teamer situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Finnegan, you know, Cotton was great last year. so Both have not, real upside. Yeah, both have real upside. Um, neither one of them has great velocity. Finnegan has shown a little bit better velocity recently. He's lefty. Finnegan a know, touch more pedigree? Now. Uh, maybe there was a time. Yeah, I guess so. Just you know, a, a, been, Cotton's always been a prospect. What's that? Say he doesn't know how, people don't think that Cotton is amazing at spinning the ball. They don't like his breaking balls. Okay. Uh, so they think he's a, a short right-handed fastball changeup guy, which is there's not a lot of guys of him. But I would say that he's basically Scott Casimir. To me, he's Scott Casimir. Okay. Who's Scott Casimir has made it work for quite a while. He's not Randy Johnson. I mean, this is. Are you he's sure? Not, no, I'm pretty sure he's not Randy Johnson. He's 93. He's who's a short. Isn't he? Isn't he? Are you saying he's Casimir? Are you saying Cotton is? I'm saying Cotton is. Isn't Finnegan Casimir too? Where he's he's short no, fastball. I'm talking about from a pitch standpoint. Well, Cotton, isn't he? Uh, Cotton and Casimir have the best pitch uh, changeups by. Oh, because their changeups are so nasty. Finnegan's is not on that same level. I was and just saying. Casimir has spent the whole his whole life trying to get a curveball. Okay. And, and he hasn't really managed it. And he, but he did had some really good seasons with the slider, uh, the changeup, and and a riding fastball. So in terms of stuff, that's they look alike. That's Finnegan, that's a good point. Who is a who is a, a? See, I always think of when I think of a lefty that's uh, that's slider heavy, like like whose best pitch is a slider. Um, who developed a change? Like who? who like I, I think of Randy Johnson, but. But that's definitely you can't not, say that. That's not yeah. that's not fair. That's not going to work. Um, I'm trying to think too. It's so hard sail, sometimes. Sale more velocity. It's because it's also not plus velocity. Like baby sale then, like poor man sale. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I don't think there's a perfect one that I can think of. Left. Say, say, it's, it's funny too that Finnegan's five eleven. But from what I've seen, once a once a pitcher makes it to the big leagues. If they're five eleven, it doesn't matter. Oh yeah, once once they're there, I, I, the size it, it, it's just it it gets put in front of them as a barrier. I remember when Cotton was a prospect, um, he was more of a, a beyond the top five in in LA's organization, and a lot of people said he would just be a reliever because of his size. No other reason. Although right. maybe the, maybe the spinning the breaking balls was part of the reason, but right. I never heard that. I always heard 
size, 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 size. And now that both of these guys are here, they're, they're starters and they're going to be starters, uh, for the foreseeable future. But I, yeah, I can't think of a great comp. Uh, well, I'm just, I'm just doing really quick weighted slider, like the best sliders in the game, just ranked by the pitch type value, just real quick. Uh, just to kind of, and who's a lefty on this list? Bumgarner, Bumgarner. Fastball slider curve, but he's so big. It's so hard to That's not the thing. Keep, he to is the body out of it. You know, huge by comparison to a five eleven Finnegan. Was, was CC like a slider first guy first? Well, he was velocity first, wasn't he? He was fastball. He used to have a big old fastball. He used to have such a monstrous fastball when he was coming up. It's so funny though because we say it, and he's ninety he, in two thousand nine with the Yankees. He's ninety four, and uh, Finnegan. Shows up as 94, but I guess that's a mile an hour apart. What about um, you know he did he did throw uh, the breaking balls more than the changeups early on. Who did uh, CC? Let's see a little bit, but CC also has way better command. Oh god, CC at his peak was just so yeah, filthy, man. They really put it wherever he wanted. So so yeah, good. We, were, we got another lefty with a good slider. There are not that many. There's Chris Sale. That's the thing too. It's hard. It's hard to have a good one when you're facing as many righties. You, you give them a good look at it. They'll smack it. Keiko was one I was going to say, but then the size comes into it again. He's also such a sinker guy. It's just. Although you know, actually, Keiko might be interesting, uh, but he's he's more about command, and I think Finnegan has a little bit more raw stuff. It's you know, Duffy is is kind of an interesting name. What'd you think of uh, while we're talking about him, Keiko? Because this guy we've talked about a lot. What'd you think of his debut? Did, the one thing that. Before I let you answer that, tempers it a little bit for me is that it was at home and he's always beasted at home. So I don't know if I, if I want to say, oh, you know, he's a little bit more looking like previous years, but he went seven strong against a good Seattle lineup, seven scoreless, two hits, two walks, four strikeouts. Um, where, where are you at on him right now? Cause obviously the shoulder's a little bit of a question, but, uh, was, was Keiko someone that you were getting shares of? No, I was, I was selling because I, um, I saw a guy that was uh, pitching like Liriano, but doesn't have stuff like Liriano. They yeah, both, I was going to say. They, they both don't throw it in the zone, right? And, you know, we give Keiko more of a credit because he has good command and he's doing it on purpose. However, if you want to uh, have, if you want to live outside of the zone, you have to get swings outside of the zone. Correct. So and there's that... like this, we've talked about this for a long time for Keiko. It's like if, he's, if people aren't swinging at it, then what are you going to do? That was the big change last year was when they, they were spitting on it um, early on. And then everything got kind of muddied because he got hurt. So you can't really compare, uh, you know, the previous seasons to last year once once Keiko got hurt. But early on, they were just spitting on it saying, no, dude, you got to bring it back in the zone. And you don't have the velocity to live in the zone. So we're going to smack you around the yard. And, and in this one game, he threw 28% in the zone, which is just – it's like if he did that for a season, it would break all records. So – I, it was a good game, and um, there was a couple places where I couldn't sell him. <laughs> so, so you're I'm stuck. Like, All right, hey, I still got him. It was a good game. What? A- but he's gonna have to come in the zone eventually, and I don't see him having that kind of stuff that can live. Like he lives outside of the zone for a reason. <laughs> I don't think I came up with the name, but I was just thinking of Brett Anderson because didn't he have didn't he have a good slider? Yeah, and he never developed the change. Yeah. But then the size comparison fails again because isn't he like six five two twenty? He's 
bigger. He bigger. I mean, I don't know if uh, I don't know if that's accurate, but that, that's got to be just, close. Maybe we just maybe we think too much about size, you know. That's true. That's true. But if you have a good comparison for Brandon Finnegan in the, you know, five ten to six one range that had that slider yeah. first, had developed the change. Just let us anyway, know. I, I could say I could, you know, the National League also helps make things easier. Certainly. So I, I think, um, I think you know, I, to me, the best pitch of the three uh, of the of the two pitchers, the best pitch in all of them is Cotton's change. Agreed. And That's one of the best pitches in the game. Yeah, I think it's an amazing pitch, and so I'm willing to kind of uh, go that direction. But if you're talking about the best three pitches with this improved t- changeup from from Finnegan. Then maybe he slides ahead. And the um, NL and the NL is going to be generally easier because of the pitcher. Um, but he's not going to have as as good command days as he did that day too. So yeah. So if I agree with you though, if you want to take Finnegan, I'm not going to say you can't. You know that's crazy. Whereas, you know, our initial rankings had them split apart enough to where we'd say no, no, you got to go Cotton. You can put the two closer together even after just one start. I liked what I saw to Finnegan, but I'm still going Cotton uh, in particular. By the way, this is kind of funny. I'm, I'm doing I a radio. I wait to see a second game. Like I just want to have a second game now. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. I'm doing a radio spot. We're both, actually. I think these two, both of these guys, I just want to see them pitch again. <laughs> well, maybe that's what I'll say on the radio because I'm doing a radio spot a little bit after we record this. And literally the first question they just sent me the rundown is, how much should we care about Brandon Finnegan's effort last night? Yeah. <laughs> I'll be like, buy him. He's the best player ever. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what I answer. Let's tune into Sirius next time. Anyway, you know, we got to go. We gave him a long one. You know, it's a little bit getting into the groove here. I had a little bit of scheduling error uh, with my um, guest episode this week. So you're actually going to get three in a row, y'all. You're going to get Thursday, Friday, and then Jason and I are moving to Saturday. So you're still getting hooked up. Sorry you had to go dry for a couple of days. The natives get restless, you know. When we leave them without a, a few days of a pod – they get very restless. And, and we're sorry. We know it's the early season. Just exactly. And, hey. Sometimes the schedules work out this way. To me, that says that we're doing something right, though, that they want it. If we went a few days and, and it was tumbleweeds and we nobody noticed. Yeah. So I, I I appreciate it. Sometimes I'm like, oh, why are they yelling at us on Twitter? But then I'm like, you know what? That means they like our work. So we appreciate y'all listening. Hit that rate and review on iTunes. We always appreciate that. Haven't asked y'all to do that in a while. But since we are kicking off a new season, let's get us up there in the iTunes ratings. Eno, we'll be back next week. You and I talking. Until then, take care. Thanks for listening.